לדמיון בפרפיוליו. If you haven't guessed, Julie's preaching today. So Father, we thank you. We trust you that we hear your word. And we pray for Julie, Father, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And transmitting to us, Father, what you have to say. We thank you, Father. We give you glory and honor. Amen. 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 It's always good, isn't it, to get into the presence of the Lord. Um, and last week we had a lovely time. And the week before that, I spoke about the covenants between Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, and then the new covenant. And as I did say, there, there's so much more we can talk about that. So I'm going to do a brief overview of some of the people involved in that this time. And then we may have a part three because we just can't fit it all in. They were wonderful men of God, weren't they? Both Noah, Moses, Abraham, David, they all listened. They did what God told them to do. But they made mistakes, just like we do, because they're human. God spoke to them either directly or indirectly um, through a prophet, similar to what we have today. Sometimes he can speak directly to us. Other times we hear it through Another person, we can hear it when we read the Bible and his word, but he can speak to us. He does speak to us. It's if we're listening. But just like those men, when God gives us a promise, we have a choice. We have a choice whether we want to listen and whether we want to do that. But sometimes we hear it, we get confirmation, and we still think, did I hear right? Could he possibly mean me? That sounds a bit too big for me to cope with. Don't think he really means that. We even kind of think, shall I help it along? And that's what Abraham did. God told him his descendants would be as numerous as the stars, that they would include kings. He said, this time next year, your wife Sarah will have a son. And we read in Romans that against all hope, Abraham believed. He knew it. He believed it. Even though he was around 99 years old, he had no problem believing he was going to have children. No doubt. But he did doubt that it would be Sarah. Because when Sarah turned around and said, maybe you should try with Hagar, her maidservant, he said, good idea. Off he goes. And she conceives. But the problem with that is, it wasn't what God had said. God had said, your wife Sarah will have a child. He heard the part, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. But he didn't listen to the whole thing. All he could think of was how that's going to happen, how that's going to happen. Yeah, totally believe you, Lord. I'm, my descendants going to be as numerous as the stars. But Sarah's past childbearing age, Lord. It's funny, isn't it, how we can take the bit we want, but sometimes we can not listen to the whole thing. And we can go off in our own direction and we can try and help things along. And, of course, what happened then... There was real strife, wasn't there? Because, yes, Sarah did conceive, as God said. But so had Hagar. So now the two were, were fighting. The two children were fighting. Abraham's tearing his hair out. He's, he's saying, what, you know, what do I do? You know, what's going on? 
But God is so good because what did God say? In Genesis 21:11 he said, "I will also make a nation of the slave woman's son because he is your offspring." It's a great lesson, isn't it, that when the father speaks over us, don't always help things along. If he gives you a promise, maybe the next best thing to do is say, "Okay, how do you want me to do that? What do you want me to do? Do I have to do anything or are you just going to do it?" What's the next step, Lord, instead of trying to help things along? But thankfully, even when we mess up, God will come along and he rescues us and he gets us out of that mess. It's always good to just stop when we hear something. And I've been through that recently. I've been stopping and questioning and thinking, okay, you said this. I haven't yet seen it. What do I need to do? And instead of trying to work it all out myself, God's actually spoke and said, okay, this is what I want you to do. And it's been such a revelation. And it's been such a faith builder for me to think, ah, okay, so it wasn't something. Because the thing is, when you hear things, sometimes when it doesn't happen over time, we start letting it slip. And we think, "Mm, maybe he didn't mean it. But no, if God says something... He means it, and it will happen. Sarah did conceive. So let's look at Moses. He was seeking to lead the Israelites into Canaan, into their promised land. He too was faithful, and God loved him dearly. Exodus 33 says, The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. But not all the people were as faithful. They'd seen the power of God. They'd survived the Passover. They'd seen plagues. They'd had their wagons filled with with gold and silver and precious goods when they left slavery. They'd seen food rain, rain down from heaven. And possibly the most amazing thing to me, the Red Sea parted and they walked through it on dry land. And I've heard people say, no, it was only about six, six inch, inches of water in some places. And you think, well, how did the Egyptian army die in it and drown in it then? You know, he parted the Red Sea. They saw all those miracles. They also saw, when Moses went into the tent of meeting with God, they also saw the cloud of glory come down by the door of that tent. And even so, verse 10 tells us, the glory of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites at the tent of the meeting where Moses was with the Lord. But they were still moaning and saying, shall we find a new leader? The crazy thing is, God had redeemed them from slavery. But in their hearts, they still had roots of slavery. It might be because sometimes just knowing what something is, it feels more comfortable. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, you know, at least we had food. They forgot the beatings and, the, you know, this, they had no control over their own, own lives. Their children were taken and put into slave labor. They forgot all about that. But they said, shall we go back? Shall we go back to Egypt? And it reminds me of that old horrible phrase of better the devil you know. No, it's not. 
It's not better the devil, you know. It's better the Lord, you know. Because he will rescue us. He will set us free. It's easy to judge them. It's easy to think, well, how could they forget all of those miracles so quickly? I mean, have we ever done it? Have we ever had a miracle and then within two weeks you're thinking, I haven't seen the Lord do much recently. It's so easy, isn't it? Because we let the troubles of our everyday take away our focus. And unless we get back into the company of the Lord, it's so easy to forget. But even so, Moses had compassion on his people, even though he knew they were grumbling, they were complaining, and they were saying, should we go back? Should we get a new leader? What should we do? Instead of listening and even seeing the glory cloud over that tent, they were still saying it. But he had compassion. That's a good leader. That's a good leader. No matter what happens, he loved them, he had compassion. I wonder how many of us pray for somebody who's hurt us, rather than saying, Lord, bring down fire on them. How many of us say, Lord, please forgive them. They don't know what they've done. They don't know how much they've hurt me. How many of us have been prayed for by someone else when we've hurt them? And we don't know about it when they've prayed for us and said, Lord, forgive them. That's exactly what Jesus does for us. It's exactly what he does. He forgave us our past sins, our present, our future. He sits at the right hand of the Father and he intercedes for us. He prays for us and he says, forgive them, Lord. They belong to me. I love them dearly. Forgive them. It's a sobering thought, though, isn't it? To think that God sees us exactly as we are and he still prays for us. But anyway, Moses had compassion and this is what he prayed. Pardon, I pray, the iniquity of his people in keeping with the greatness of your loving devotion. Just as you have forgiven them since they left Egypt. So in other words, they've been complaining ever since they left Egypt. It's crazy, isn't it, to think that they'd they'd been praying to be rescued from slavery. But when it came, because it wasn't what they expected, they were complaining, well, let's go back. This can't be it. This can't be right. And the Lord answered Moses and said, how long will this people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe me despite all the signs I have performed among them? I will strike them with a plague and destroy them, and I will make you into a greater nation, a mightier nation than they are. But the Lord's love for Moses was great, and he listened to Moses' prayers. Our prayers are so powerful, we have no idea how how powerful they can be. Because he then turned around and said, But I have pardoned them as you requested. Yet as surely as I live and as surely as the whole earth is filled with the glory of the Lord, not one of the men who have seen my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness yet have tested me and disobeyed me these ten times. Not one will ever see the land that I swore to their fathers. None of those who have treated me with contempt will see it. So he forgave them. But he wouldn't bless them. Because, but because my my servant Caleb has a different spirit, spirit, sorry, 
and has followed me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he has entered, and his descendants will inherit it. Will inherit it. You see, God really wanted to bless them. He kept forgiving them. He wanted to give them the promised land. And we have a spiritual prom- promised land. We have blessings that are due to us as well. But they kept falling short. They kept hardening their hearts and disbelieving. And they missed their promised land. Only Caleb and Joshua, who remained faithful, received that promise. It's quite scary to read that because it makes you worry. Okay, can we lose our promise? Hebrews 3 refers to this as a warning though and says, Moses was faithful as a servant in God's house, testifying to what would be spoken later. But Christ is faithful. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house, and we are his house. If we keep our confidence and the hope of which we boast. Therefore, the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion in the day of the testing in the wilderness, where your fathers tested and tried me, and for 40 years saw my works. Therefore, I was angry with that generation, and I said, Their hearts always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I swore on oath in my anger that they shall never enter my rest. Basically, God tells us to hold on to our promises, hold on to our confidence, hold on to our faith and receive those promises. Last time we spoke of some of those those blessings that God wants to give us and we know we are heirs of them. So before we start worrying that we're not going to get them, we're not alone in this. We have Christ as our high priest. He prays for us. He sympathizes with our weaknesses because he lived on earth as a man. He experienced everything we have. He's not just an earthly priest who's vulnerable to sin, who's vulnerable to weaknesses, but he's our heavenly high priest. Hebrews 4.14 says, Since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, Let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings that we do, yet he didn't sin. So let us come boldly before the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. That is such a promise, isn't it? God has, from day one, wanted to bless everybody in this room. He's wanted to bless everyone on this earth. We have a way to come to the Lord. He made a way because he wants us to receive that blessing. We have a promised land. We have a Canaan. Our Canaan may be your family. It may be your calling. The promised land in your spiritual life is what God's told you it will be. And you can receive it. Jesus is the way to receive that. He is the way to come to the Father. He enables us to come closer. He intercedes with us. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's our comforter and our provider. And we can find grace in our everyday struggles. 
God created man in his image, in his likeness, to have dominion over the, over the whole earth. And because of Adam's disobedience, we lost that. His descendants forfeited the position of dominion. But Romans 5 says, if dominion was lost to everyone by the one man, Adam, it's restored much more by the life of Jesus Christ. God the Father has constantly tried to make a way for us, his adopted children, to enter our promised land. In other words, all the blessings that we mentioned last time. Blessings when we come in, blessings when we go out, blessings of fruitfulness, blessings of everything we do, blessings of our health, good health, blessings of healing, blessings of seeing miracles. And we've seen those right here in this church. And God wants to prosper us and not to harm us. He wants to turn all things for good for those who love him. We are under the wings of his protection. All of these are blessings and promises. Me and my household, or we and our household, we will serve the Lord. We will lend and not borrow. We will be the head and not the tail. We are no longer slaves, but alive in Christ because of the love of the Father in heaven. All of these things were about the covenants. The covenants are promises to bless his children, the people he made in his image because he loves us so much. And we are adopted into that family. We may mess up. And just like men and women of old, we have a redeemer God. But he's made an easier way back to him for us. We're not in the old situation where they had to go through an earthly priest. They didn't know God for themselves. Those Israelites who messed up and said, I want to go back to Egypt. They didn't know God for themselves. They saw him. They saw his signs and wonders. They saw his glory cloud. They saw the sea parting. They saw the blessing of manna coming from heaven. But they missed what it was about. They missed how much God loves them. They missed that Moses and Abraham were their leaders for a reason. Because they were faithful. They would listen. They would hear. That's what those great men were about. Listening and leading the people. Because the people didn't yet know God. Some of them did. But most of them didn't. We have Jesus Christ. We have the Holy Spirit in us. We have it easy, guys. We have it easy. We have the Holy Spirit who speaks to us on a daily basis if we stop and sit in his presence. If we listen. He doesn't stop speaking. We stop listening. We have the promises that God always wanted to give us. And we have them through Christ Jesus. Amen. So for those of you on camera, if there's anybody there who doesn't yet know the Lord Jesus for their own self, their own saviour, you can accept him just by saying that you want Jesus into your life and he will come. He will not let you down. So I pray for anyone out there. Lord, I just pray your blessing, your favour. Lord, I pray that you, you show yourself in might and power and gentleness. In the name of Jesus. And I pray for everybody in this congregation, Lord, that we will step into the promises that you have given us. 
that you will open our eyes and our ears to know what it is you want us to do, that you will know, they will know where you want them to be. You will know where you are leading them, Lord. We will know where you're leading us. And Father, I pray that we will be faithful. And I pray that, Father, when we come and we finally meet you, you will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen. Bless you guys. <laughs>